Hey, listen, I want to tell you before uh, I say anything else how proud I am of all of you for your generosity. Last Sunday, uh, we did something that I will never forget. Uh, we did something as a church. We, because you have invested and you put your funds together like the book of Acts tells us to do, we were able to gift a family um, with a, a wonderful daughter who has special needs. We were able to gift them a brand new van, handicapped accessible van. And uh, I'm telling you, it truly was one of the best moments I've ever had in nearly 20 years of this church's existence. So you had a chance to be part of that. You've invested. And uh, we're going to do some more things. We're going to do some more things. I know hopefully most of you got an envelope in the, in the mail this week and a little bit more a description about just, you know, every, we're asking every family um, to, to give $20 per person in your family. And... Um, and we're just going to keep putting God on display and putting his glory on display and seeing what happens when the church comes together uh, through acts of generosity. Also, uh, so with that said, I want to tell you a little bit about, you know, what, what would you do if you had eight weeks? And I'm so grateful uh, to our elders who um, basically uh, every five years they give me uh, two months off and uh, just, to, just to rest and, and, and just rejuvenate myself. And so I want to just publicly on behalf of me and my family just say thank you to all of our elders for seeing the value in um, giving not just me but our whole staff, uh, pastors and directors, uh, moments of sabbatical, moments of rest. And um, we, uh, Amy and I spent some time, one of the things we did was uh, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. We're going to be uh, in December. Thank you. It's actually December 19th, but that's a crazy season. Christmas comes along. And so uh, we decided to celebrate this summer. And uh, we, we met with some of our mentors that we've been wanting to meet with for a long time to talk about what does the next 15, 20 years look like. That was great. We, we went on a vacation with our kids, went to Michigan where I'm from and just toured all over the state. That was a blast. We actually did something I've always wanted to do. We planted a garden and uh, we're actually growing vegetables at the Bloy House. It's amazing. Uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. And we focused on our health. We did, took some really great steps to get healthier. And, but I'll tell you, more than anything, we just rested and recharged our batteries. And, and, uh, and I'm just, it's been a great summer. It's good to see all of you as well back uh, for vacations and wherever you've been. And I also want to say thank you to our amazing staff who just keep things going around here in my absence. They, they do such a great job. Plus, this church has an amazing volunteer team. Uh, we call it Team Westridge. And you who serve week in and week out in this church, you've served throughout the summer, you've been faithful keeping this church going. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you who serve in this church. Let's, let's give everybody just a big hand. And how about all of our communicators over the summer? We've had, for the last eight weeks, uh, I've had a chance to hear some of the folks who have done such a great job. I love seeing all these young guys that we're raising up around here who just preach their hearts out and knock it out of the park. And so for me, that's just fun to see. Just a lot of fun to, to, to watch uh, some of our younger guys uh, come in, even some of our church planners come in and do such a great job. Well, we've been in this study uh, since February on the life and teaching of Jesus, and, and we're going to continue that moving forward. And this morning's message lines right up with that. So um, if you have a Bible, hopefully you do. If not, it'll be on the screen. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 17. And uh, if you were at Rush Camp this summer, how many of you were at Rush Camp? You're going to... All right, you're still excited. Um, 
You might recognize little bits of this um, with, with school starting this week for most of our kids and students. Uh, I thought it'd be a good refresher to, to go back to the passage that I spoke on for four nights at Rush Camp and to uh, kind of hit some of it this morning. And so with that said, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 17. Now, this story in Matthew 17 is also found in Luke chapter 9. And I love Luke. Luke gives a little bit more detail. It's kind of how he's wired. Um, But we see this wonderful story where Jesus takes three of his disciples up onto a mountaintop to witness what Bible scholars call the transfiguration. Now, the word transfiguration literally means a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. A complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. Matter of fact, that's what I'm calling this new bald head look, a transfiguration, a a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful state, okay? That's how I'm looking at it, all right? I don't care how you look at it. That's, how, that's what I'm going with. Now, in Matthew 17, verse 1, here's what, we, what we're going to read. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and, his, uh, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Another translation says, so they could be alone. Now, by the time we get to this point in the book of Matthew, this deep into Matthew, which is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, Jesus had a lot of people following him. He had a lot of people that were just kind of coming along behind him, listening to him talk, watching him do miracles. Um, But he only spent time with 12 guys. We, We know them as his disciples. And of those 12 men, he spent the most intimate time with three guys. Three guys were just kind of his inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. And as we see in, in verse 1, Jesus, again, he's taken these three guys up on to a high mountain so he could be alone with them. And he just wants to spend time with these guys. And he has a very specific purpose for this little retreat. Now, I want to just stop and say this. Everything that God does is purposeful. Everything is very strategic. And so Jesus was very strategic. Everything he did had a purpose and meaning behind it. He had, he had a, 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 a few specific purposeful reasons for taking these guys up on top of, the, of this mountain. And I'm going to give you those things right now. He wanted to spend time with them to show them that he was the son of God. And that was hugely important. The second thing is he wanted to reveal his glory to them. He wanted to erase all doubts in their minds that he uh, was the son of God. He wanted to show them that he was all they needed in this life. They were getting ready to go through a really tough time. They had no clue really the, the, the depth and, and width of, of all that they were about to experience. He wanted to prepare them for the future, but he also wanted them to know just how much he loved them. Now, I believe those are the reasons why God calls us together every Sunday. He just wants you to spend time with him. He wants to reveal his glory to you. Matter of fact, I think it's the same reasons that God wants to spend time with you alone every single day. He, again, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to reveal his glory to you. He, he wants to make himself known to you. He wants to show you that he is everything that you need in this life. He wants to prepare you for the future, to prepare you for tomorrow. And he wants to remind you just how much he loves you. So Jesus, again, he's alone on this high mountain with Peter, James, and John. Now, Before we go further and read what happens next in verse 2, I think it's important to pause for a moment and just give you a little background on a story that's led up to this moment. If you go back in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, 
you see that one of the challenges that Jesus faced when he was on earth was that people could just, they could not get their minds around the fact that he was really the son of God, including his own followers. Matter of fact, his own family members struggled to believe that he was a son of God. He talks about, there were a couple of his half brothers that just, they didn't get it till later on. And it's very much like today. There were those that fully believed. There were those that, that wanted to believe, but they had doubts. There were those that, that, we're not going to believe no matter what. And then there were those who mostly were the religious leaders who demanded that Jesus give them a visible sign. They wanted him to prove to them that he was the son of God, but Jesus wasn't having any of that. He, he refused to perform for them to prove a point. Plus, he knew that no matter what he did, they still would not believe that he was the son of God because they had hardened their hearts so much. Well, if you look back in chapter 16, Jesus has this conversation uh, with, with his disciples. He's hanging out at this place called Caesarea Philippi, which is kind of a, a vacation spot that Jesus went to. And Jesus asks his disciples a question. He says, who do people say that I am? And they replied, well, some think that you're John the Baptist. There's other people that think that you're Elijah the prophet. There's other people that think you're Jeremiah the prophet. And Jesus says, all right, how about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, the impetuous one, speaks up first and he says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, you got it. My father, God has revealed this to you. Now, fast forward back to where we were in Matthew 17, verse one. Here they are. Peter, James, and John on the mount with Jesus. And just in case there was still even a fraction of doubt about who he was, it was almost like Jesus said, all right, guys, I brought you up here. Now, watch this. And in verse two, it says, and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, the Apostle Luke's version, again, which goes usually into more detail, his version of the same story tells us that before Jesus' appearance, before he was transfigured, Peter, James, and John were sleepy. But once they saw this, they became fully awake and they saw his glory firsthand. Now listen, it, it was crucial that these men understood that Jesus was the Son of God because the whole plan of advancing salvation to the rest of the world, being offered to the rest of the world, rested on their shoulder. There could no longer be doubt in their minds. Not even a moment of doubt. It was as if Jesus was saying, guys listen, guys, listen, I know that you've heard me preach before. You've heard what I had to say. I know that you've watched me calm a raging storm by speaking to it. I know that you've, you've watched me raise a young girl from the dead. You've watched me feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two small fish. But in just in case there's still a doubt in your mind, let me show you my glory. Let me erase any doubts that you might have in your mind. And at that moment, Jesus's face changed its appearance. The Bible says it shone like the sun. His clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Moses and Elijah, guys who have been dead now for, for several thousand years, they are now standing with him in what the Bible describes as his glorious splendor. And it's like Jesus says, guys, I know that you've seen a bunch of miracles, but just in case that you have a moment of doubt that I'm still the son of God, watch this. Let me put on a light show. Let me show you my glory. Now, just in case you're asking yourself, what, what is God's glory? God, glory means his, his majesty, his greatness, his power, his, his grandeur, his, it's, his, his prestige, his splendor, his magnificence, his beauty. 
God took Peter, James, and John up that mountain to show he, that he was the son of God by revealing to them his glory. Listen again, there's no doubt in my mind that that's one of the reasons why we come together every week. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus wants to spend personal, intimate time with you every single day. He just wants to reveal to you who he really is. He wants to spend time with you for you to be in his presence so that he can show you his glory. And some of you in this room, like the disciples and like others, like his followers, you have doubts. Some of you are doubting today. Is Jesus truly the son of God? Is he really the only way to heaven? Is there really even a heaven in the first place? What if this is all just a myth, a legend, some joke that someone made up thousands of years ago? Jesus would like to reveal his glory to you. For some of you, it may be today. You say, how does he plan to do that? Well, he says, listen, it's right there in front of you. You can see it all the time. You say, how, how's he gonna show me that? He says, watch this. Today, when you go home, I want you to take, just go out on your back deck before the sun goes down and I want you to stand on your back deck and I want you to look up in the sky and ask yourself this question. What is keeping the sun just at the right distance so that I don't either burn up from too much heat or freeze to death because there's absolutely no heat? How, how does that sun know exactly what to do? It's God. He's, he's revealing his glory to you. Tonight, when the sun goes down and it's dark outside and hopefully you look up and there's just an array of stars up in the sky, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who in the world is holding all those stars up in the sky? How did they get up there in the first place? And, and what keeps them from falling out of place and crashing into the earth and burning up the whole place? It's God, he's revealing his glory to you. The next time that you're, that you're staring at the ocean, I want you to, to walk out to right where the water touches your feet and then rolls back out into the ocean. I want you to ask yourself the question, what's causing the water to stop right where it stops and then to go back out again and to not overtake the whole earth? I mean, how is it even possible that it knows just right where to stop? It's God. When you see that, he's revealing his glory to you or without weirding any of our young mothers out in here. Okay, now listen to me now. Take a look at one of their babies closely. Now, don't, again, don't scare anyone because you might see some mama bears come out. But you tell me, tell me how those little tiny fingers know how to move and grab things. Tell me how those little tiny toes on those little biscuit feet know exactly, how, how do they know how to move? Tell me, how do these little eyes know how to see? How does that mouth know how to eat? How, do, how does that little ear know how to hear things? It's God's beauty, it's his power, it's his splendor, it's his glory on display right in front of you. And maybe his best display of all. Sometime, take a long look at yourself in the mirror when no one else is around. When no, when no one else in the whole world looks, just realize that no one else in the whole world looks exactly like you. No one has your exact DNA. You're one of a kind. See, when you look in the mirror, you see too much of this or too much of that. You see the flaws. You see sometimes not enough of this or not enough of that. You see what you think are mistakes, but God sees perfection. He sees his majesty. He sees his splendor, his glory, his greatness. He sees his power standing right there in front of him in that mirror because you were created in the image of God. You're a beautiful reflection of his glory. He created you to give you his love so that you could put his glory on display to the rest of the world. In just a few moments, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to, for some of you for the first time in your life to declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the son of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that if you'll declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. 
And God has brought you here this morning because he wants to offer you forgiveness of sin, a forever relationship with him and an eternal home in heaven. And the fact that he can take a life that is spiritually lost, the Bible describes it as actually spiritually dead and actually breathe new life into it and make you feel spiritually alive is quite possibly one of the greatest acts of all time of him revealing his glory. There's some of you here today, most, most of you that you know, you know that Jesus Christ is, is the savior of the world. He's your personal savior. You believe that he's the son of God. You may have even see some, seen him do some miracles in your life, but you're struggling this morning. You have questions about Jesus and his ability to help you with some of the things that are going on in your life right now. You know, can Jesus truly deliver me from, from this depression that I'm feeling, this discouragement that's overwhelming me, from, from, from this sadness that, that I just feel all the time, from, from always being worried, from being filled with fear, from being filled with anxiety? Can he actually fix my family? Can he truly pull my, my, my son in who's wandered away from God or my daughter who's struggling right now? Can he deliver me from some, this addiction that I've been dealing with, whether it's porn or some type of de- eating disorder or drugs or alcohol? Can he, can he heal me from this illness that I can't seem to get through? This injury that just doesn't seem to be healing with, that healing, can he forgive me of my past? Can he, can he make my future clear? Can he take away my fear of the future? I'm at this age right now where the future just looks a little bit uncertain to me. Can he, can he help me by filling in the gaps? And even though you know and you believe that God created the heavens, he holds the oceans in place and everyone on earth and he saves people from their sins, you may be struggling with doubt that God has the ability or even desires to engage your personal issues. And I want you to know this morning, I believe he can. And not only do I believe he can, I believe he wants to. He wants to, but before he does, he wants to show you something. He wants to show you a true picture of what's going on right now. Just like he had to show a true picture of himself and and his glory to Peter, James, and John so they would finally understand who he was. I believe that Jesus wants to give you that same picture this morning. Now, if you go back to Christmas for just a moment, I read this passage of scripture, but it's an amazing truth. And it's a, I think it's a good summertime reminder for us of, of what's going on in heaven right now. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Revelation chapter one. Revelation chapter one, verse 12 through 18, the apostle John is the writer. He is on this island all by himself, on this island of Patmos. It's the same John that was on the mountain with Jesus with his buddies, uh, James and Peter. And here he is, he's on this island, and this is where he's gonna spend the last days of his life. And once again, Jesus reveals himself to him. Remember, on the mountain, Jesus showed his glory to John before he had been crucified, before he had died, before he had gone to heaven. And now Jesus reveals himself to John once again after he's ascended into heaven and while he's now sitting next to his father, ruling over the universe and the affairs of all of our lives. Check this out. Once again, Jesus says to John, hey, John, watch this. And John says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the son of man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were, were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes, his eyes were like, were like flames of fire. His feet were, were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like a mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was, was like the sun in all of its 
brilliance. And when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid because I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. You say, what did John see? He didn't see a picture of baby Jesus in a manger. He didn't see Jesus as a young carpenter. He didn't see some of the pictures that we see today in a Christian bookstore where Jesus has got blue eyes and blonde hair. He's all calm and meek and mild. No, no, he didn't see Jesus hanging on a cross or even Jesus walking around after the grave. No, this was an even more powerful image of even what he saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus as he is right now. He saw Jesus in all of his glory. And once again, Jesus looked at John and said, John, watch this. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to remind John once again that he was the son of God. He wanted, him to, wanted to make himself known to John. He wanted to reveal his glory to John. He wanted John to know that even though I'm not with you in the flesh, even though you are trapped on this island, experiencing probably some of the final days of your life, John, I'm still with you and I'm all that you need. And he wanted John to be prepared for the future. He wanted to know that what kind of savior John was dealing with now. And he also wanted John to write these events down so that people would know that Jesus was still on the throne of heaven and he was still calling the shots over your life and my life and all of the universe. Listen, in order for you to have a victory in your life over the issues you're dealing with this morning, in order for, for you to really truly be, to get authority over the sin you're dealing with and the circumstances that are currently bearing you, you're going to have to begin to see and relate to the Jesus that John saw on this island. You say, what did John see? He saw Jesus in his present state. He saw Jesus, the king who had conquered death and the grave, the one who holds the, the keys to death and life and hell in his hands. He saw Jesus on fire. That's who John saw. And John said, when I saw him, his hair was white like wool, like snow. There was fire like flames in his eyes. When he spoke, it was like the roar of mighty waters, like, a, like an ocean thundering. And when he saw this Jesus, he said, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. That was Jesus in all of his glory. And that's what Jesus looks like right now on July 30th, 2017. Now, let me ask you a question. Come on, don't hold back. We're clapping for his glory. Let me ask you a question. Can that Jesus help you with your issues? Can that Jesus still lead you and direct you? Can, can that Savior help you with your family? Does you think he has the strength and the power to reach out and pull your son back, to engage your daughter, to convict her, to reach her when you think she's unreachable? Can he forgive you of your sin and help you to live in victory? Does he have what it takes to direct the affairs of your future when you can't see what's ahead of you? Students, do you think this Jesus has the power to walk with you through the, the hallways of school tomorrow or Tuesday or whatever day you're starting when you feel like, I'm, am I the only Christian in this place? Adults, can you walk through that tough work environment tomorrow with confidence because, because this Jesus is on your side, you can. This Jesus has the power to help you do all of that. And not only can he do it, but he wants to do it. First Peter chapter five or seven says, give all your cares and your worries to God for he cares about you. Psalm chapter 55 verse 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. One of the reasons we're here today 
is because the son of God wants to show you his glory. He wants you to see him as he is because he knows that if you can catch just a glimpse of his glory, like, like Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, he knows it'll change your life. If you can see him like John saw him in, in, in a vision on the island of Patmos, you'll never waver in your belief. You won't wonder if he's strong enough to handle you. You won't doubt if he can change your life. You won't question whether he can forgive you or free you from your sin. So he says to every single one of you today, watch this, watch this. You may be here today struggling. Oh, listen, you, you have a moment in your life where you know you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You can go back to that moment. Or maybe you, you knew it was a, some time frame in your life where you made that decision. But man, you're wavering. You're not wavering whether or not you believe he's a son of God. You're just wavering whether he can help you. God brought you here today to show you his glory. To remind you of who he is, what he looks like, his power, his presence, his grandeur, his splendor, his majesty. That he's got what it takes to help you. And not only can he, but he wants to. For some of you today, I mean, you're, 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 maybe you're struggling with depression or anxiety or fear or worry. And you're wondering, does, this, does, he, does he actually truly want to engage that? He does. He says, cast all your cares on me. Give me all your, your worries and your fears because I care. Throw all your burdens on me. Let me carry them. That's how personally engaged I want to get with you. It's not just me putting myself on display so you can see my glory. But I'm doing that so you know that I want to be personal with you as well. That that power can engage your life. For some of you today, maybe you walked in, there was, there's doubts, there's been a whole lot of, so you, up until this moment, you've never said with these lips, Jesus, you're the son of God. You've never engaged him in a way of wanting him to be your personal savior. But here you are sitting here today and you feel this tugging in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit of God convicting you and saying to you, that's it. That's what you've been looking for. That's the hole in your life. That's what's missing inside of you. And God has brought you here today to remind you of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And today's your day to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal savior. I want all of you to bow your head for just a moment. Before we get up and sing, if you're here today and You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your personal savior. You've never, as Paul writes in Romans, confessed with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. And you've never believed in your heart that he's the savior. This is your moment. Just pray with me if you would in your heart. Say, Lord, at this moment, I lay all of my sins and I lay everything at your feet today. And I ask you to be my Lord and savior. I confess with these lips as the Bible tells me to do, that Jesus, you are the son of God. And I believe with all of my heart that you're the savior of the world. And I ask you in a very personal way to be my savior at this moment. Forgive me of my sins. I wanna receive your free gift of salvation. Would you change me from the inside out? Thank you for doing what only you can do. Thank you for filling this gap in my heart, in my, in my life. Now tell me what to do next. If you just prayed that prayer with me, raise your hand all over this auditorium so I can see who you are and I can pray for you. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. 
without looking at me. In just a moment, I want you to get out your Get Connected card that you filled out when you came in here. I want you to take it out to the help center in the auditorium or bring it forward. And I want to ask you to do something a little crazy. You saw this board out there that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. We put that board up there so we can see how God's working people's lives. We can catch a glimpse to inspire all of us to see that God's working. Would you let us put your image up there, your card or whatever that looks like so that we can celebrate you with you. The, the, this decision you made, which is the, the biggest decision you've ever made in your life. Students, if you got saved at Rush Camp or Surge or whatever kids and you haven't done that yet, would you let us do that today? There's a, there's, I'm gonna say there's a lot of you in here today. You've gone through the summer. It's been tough on you for whatever reason. You're struggling with something. You're just overwhelmed by a problem, some emotion, something going on in your family, something with your finances, something with your marriage or your kids or students. You're, you're struggling with the thought of going back to school because it's just overwhelming you and you've made some big decisions over the summer, but you, oh, you're, you're fearful of what's gonna take place this next year. And you need the power of God in your life. You need to see his glory on display in a personal way. And you just need prayer right now. Would you raise your hand all over this auditorium? Amen. Father, would you engage every person in this room today who just needed to see a glimpse of who you are once again, needed to catch a true picture of who Jesus is, who he is today, his power, his splendor, his glory, and the fact that he holds all of our lives in his hands. He's sitting next to you today, ruling over the universe calling the shots and yet at the same time he puts his arm around us and loves us in a very intimate fatherly way in a way that only Jesus can do and may you may we see that may we engage with that today in a very personal way thank you in Jesus name amen